Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This is time on The Kindness Project, Poncho Day, COVID vaccine, and we have part two of our interview with Laura Formentini. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl with a big pink jumper and another girl who has the audacity to turn up to a podcast retorning. Retorning? What's a retorning? Recording. Recording. It's Charlotte and Sophie Danes. Who are you joined by, Sophie? Yeah. <laughs> Is that the best you can do for an intro? I'll have you Yo, know. I'll have yo, you know. I'm joined by yo. I'll have you know it's a poncho, not a jumper. That's not a poncho. A poncho is a more plastic and protects you from the rain. That will soak up more water than no, anything a, it, I know. It's, it's a pyjama poncho. And you call my red poncho a poncho. Okay, fair enough. We, uh, Poncho Gate, unofficial question of podcast, ladies and gentlemen. What makes a poncho? Because I thought a poncho had to be plastic and waterproof. No, it just, have to, no? It just has to have the arm things. What do you mean no, the arm things? What, no. like arms? It doesn't have to, because my one doesn't have arms. Okay, fair enough. Well, no, it has to have, like, the flaps and the flaps. The flaps? Some knows what I'm on about, didn't you? Yeah. You've you got to have poncho flaps. It's got to be, like, a coat... But it's like a jumper. <laughs> right. Can we... With no, with no arms. Can it's we agree? Yeah, but that's got arms. That's a jumper. Still a poncho. It's, a poncho is anywhere between a cape and a jumper. Right. That is definitely a jumper. Because that's got actual arms. A poncho covers you like a jumper, but has no arms. Look how much space there is. No, you, that's you, not arms no, space, no, you've got a big sleeve that's leg jumper. Space. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you sure they're not trousers and you're wearing them as a as a fluffy jumper? Anyway, ladies, what else is happening in our lives at the minute? I'm done with exams for the year. Yay! And I got a 59 out of 60 on my maths test. Amazing work. What's that? An A star star? Well, you star, can't, star, star, star. You can't star. get higher than uh, an A on the uh, current thing I'm doing, so. Oh, I suppose that'll do. What's going on in your life, Soph? I started piano lesson. How's it going? Good. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. So what? Song would you ideally love to play at the piano on the piano? I really don't know. Okay, fair enough. What song is your favourite song that you can currently play on the piano? I think my favourite song to play on the piano is Let It Be, because that's the only song I know. Exactly, I, I was about to say that. <laughs> and I can't do any of the calls yet, so so yeah, Let It Be I reckon is my one. I like when Soph plays Married Life. Married Life, what's that? Is that guy? Oh, from Up. Oh, yeah. Don't... In the first ten minutes, you Oh, you know what? Up always makes me cry. Always makes me cry. In other news, ladies and gents, I've had me first jab. High five. Yeah, I've had, me, I've had me first COVID vaccine. Thought I'd sailed away from it and, and got through without any side effects. Ended up almost falling asleep at work today because uh, the, the COVID uh, vaccine um, hit me like a brick. Um, and I was just like that. I've got to go home and go to bed. So, uh, so uh, we've all been there. Who else has had their COVID vaccine? No, like felt fine and then something has hit you like a brick. Well, you know what? I thought I genuinely escaped with no 
vaccination symptoms at all. Uh, and I feel fine, really good as gold now, really good. But then it just literally dizzy, hot, hit me, uh, I needed sleep. Yeah, no. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no. I've been there. Yeah. And, and he, come, you haven't had your vaccine yet, yeah? I am not. You're going to be at the back of the queue, I think, your COVID vaccine. Probably. Yeah, anyway. So, this uh, brings us on to um, Question of the Podcast. And this week's Question of the Podcast is... Sophie? Which one is it? What's the Question of the Podcast? <laughs> oh, Right, the question no, of the it's po- not the one we just posted. There's one before that. There is a question of the podcast. It is, what song do you like dancing around your kitchen to the most? What do you reckon, So, What's your one? <laughs> I really don't know. Okay. Well, me uh, and Soph had Hamilton on the other day while we were dancing around You know what? You two, are, what? you two are literally listening to Hamilton... All of the time. No, the that's not me anymore. That's her. I know. What's your favourite Hamilton song? Yeah. See, the problem is Hamilton isn't really a dance around the kitchen sort of track, is it? No, we. we any yeah, any but, songs on musical? Well, we. Oh, what did you say about musical songs? No, some of those are bops. You can. Bops. Oh, I love. Them. I am loving the word bops at the minute. Are you? What was so? So what song is a really good bop at the minute, so? <laughs> That's not how you say it, Dad. How do you say it? You say, this specific song is a bop. Okay. Or, what a bop. Or... Okay. What song would you exclaim, use the phrase, that, my friend, is a bop? <laughs> Am I using it wrong again? No, yeah. All right. What, what song is a bop? Is that is that the right way to do it? So... Why are you just no, looking at each you other? Have to say that this song is a bop. I just said that song is a bop. What song? Um, whatever song you're going to pick as your dancing around the kitchen number. Any musical songs. Any musical song. I don't know. Okay. You know. Oh, you know what musical I've really liked recently? A Killer Party. They're bringing it to the UK. Ah, oh, I love okay. it. Okay. So what Killer Party song is a bop? And it's a bop. So boppity bop. Bop that you can. <laughs> you know I'm doing it on purpose, just to yeah. It's so bobbly 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 bop bop that is that the right way of doing it? Yeah, yeah. Sophie thinks it is. Um, that um, you'd bop around the kitchen to it. Um, you've seen me dancing around the living room to the entire soundtrack, so maybe a shipload of fools or process of elimination okay a shipload of fools or process of elimination are the ones that we'll look out for are you picking a song or should we move on let's move on (laughs) let's move on okay great stuff right um the next part is um you forgot something (coughs) Where, where where people can find us oh i better do that um now, if you want to answer the question of the podcast, where... <laughs> Let me do it. I know what it is. Go on, so, on Twitter, we're at all the kindness. At Facebook, if you just go into the search bar and type the kindness project, you will find us there. If you go on the search bar and you type the kindness project, we should be the first thing that pops up. And if we're not, why not? Um, <laughs> can we get that fixed? Uh, MySpace, Friends Reunited. We have an email. Spotify. 
We are on Spotify, and we're on our... I mean, I the weird thing is, Soph, I know we are also on the uh, Amazon Echo, because I heard you the other day turning around and going... You mean the Amazon Alexa? Alexa, can you play the Kindness Project? And it did, didn't it? Yeah, I've done it like five times. Amazing, amazing. Uh, sorry, Alexa, stop! Stop, <laughs> don't! With the, no, don't! Alexa! Play the kindness project. Oh, no, 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 How dare you? She said um, she didn't know anyway, it. I didn't get to send the email. Go on and send the email. you guys. Um, the email is ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk uh, and we have no MySpace or Friends Reunited. You can always try and find us on there, but you will find nothing at all. You can phone us, though, and what's your phone number? I don't know, I don't have it memorised. Oh, right, okay. Could you mind me sharing your phone number to Actually, the I do. <laughs> no, you don't you know, phone us. Do you know what you can do with a phone number? What? Trace a location. Oh, no, yeah, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know what you can do with a phone? Say you're a Russian spy. You know what? You can actually be a Russian spy. <laughs> <laughs> to all the Russian spies listening to this I don't know whether the kind... I don't know if the Kindness Project has a lot of Russian spy listeners. I, you know what? If if you are a Russian spy, can you get in touch? Let us know and see how big our Russian spy fan base is on the Kindness and Project. And if you're the one and only Russian spy who listens to us, would you mind sharing our podcast so we can have a bigger Russian spy, spy fan base? Yeah, exactly. What other fans would we like? Uh, German spies. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just spies? Just spies. Um, the, 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 the spies and pets. Random um, so, men. But are we talking about spy pets? Random island men wouldn't have fun. <laughs> right, anyway. If you're a spy, or a pet of a spy. Um, or a random island man. But only if you're from oh, either Germany or Russia. Feel free to give us a shout. Or um, Australia. Or, or an Australian spy. Normal Australians need not apply. Um, but yeah, if you're... If you're Australian, <laughs> get in touch. If you're any nationality, get in touch. But, you know... Yeah. Spies specifically. Spy, specifically spies. I know you're not meant to disclose your identity, spies. <laughs> but um, we won't tell anybody, will we? <laughs> no, no, we won't. No, we won't. Anyway, on that note, let's move on to the next part of the show. So uh, this week we've got part two of our interview with the amazing Laura Formenti Tindi. I've pronounced that completely wrong. Yeah. I almost said a rude word. Um, uh, Laura talks about the amazing work she does um, and shares her story. If you haven't heard part one of the interview with Laura uh, check out the previous episode, uh, all the details are on there, uh, shall we listen to the second part of the Let's interview do it. so um, I know I know you talk a lot about the power of not only having amazing, an amazing website with bees on, Russ are you listening um, uh, <laughs> you talk about the power of storytelling quite a lot, so tell yeah. me about um, tell me about how you think storytelling is in important um in terms of in terms of doing good work 
Well, I think that it, storytelling stems from journaling. So, um, you know, having so many emotions myself, I had to let those emotions out and, uh, you know, out of, out of my head and on paper. And so I've been journaling all my life. And so it's interesting how, you know, what I feel today, not necessarily is what I felt a few you know, months before, or a few years before, because we're evolving. So, so I decided to put together, you know, my, my journals, you know, of evolution and really see what I could come up as far as telling stories. And, you know, I decided, like I said, I never was a social media person. I never really, I always did work behind the scenes because I didn't, I never really cared about, you know, letting people know what I was doing. But, you know, there was a point where I decided, wow, you know, I've been doing so much work nonprofit wise that I think it's, it would be really cool to put together all of my experiences and start telling stories. And so I started writing articles. Um, these articles have been published and I started writing books too. So I met my, I'm completing my third book. Oh, and, I um, yeah. And then I, I have a couple of agents interested. I just attended the um, uh, writer's digest pitch slam in New York the virtual thing, obviously. And, um, and so basically I decided to tell stories about my experiences around, you know, with, not just with working with nonprofits. And that actually, actually, I think that's really important because the more stories we can get out there of people doing amazing work in the world, it's one of the reasons we run the podcast. Um, one of the reasons uh, we run it is because I think if we can share more stories of people doing positive things, it sort of then counteracts all the negative stuff you hear, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's quite important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that we, you know, especially going through certain situations like traveling to third world countries or, or, um, well, impoverished countries that put it this way, put it this way. Cause I, in a lot of ways, I think we are more third world than they are, but anyway, um, I think that, um, it's important to really, um, you know, show what's what what a lot of these people have done to come out of their darkness, how they've coped. And this is what my books are about. They're about tales of transformation. Journey, so journey from around the world. And uh, so one book, for instance, is on my experience with the orphanage, working at the orphanage. The other one was is a book on my experience with what I created after here in Sicily. Another book um, is going to be on um, the power of sponsorship because for instance, I've been sponsoring 40 kids over 17 years with Plan USA. And I was thinking, well, why not talk to Plan USA and see if we, they want to write a book together on yeah. how sponsorship has changed the lives of the previously Oh, I love that people. idea. Yeah, because you can tell the stories of the impact of that sponsorship yeah. using the individuals who have been sponsored. So yeah. um, so we want to go on to the next question, but Charlotte is uh, has got a college lesson in about yeah. 10 minutes, so she's going to need to leave the interview. Okay. But, um, uh, <laughs> drop, mic drop, Charlotte out. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, it was very nice meeting you. Do you want to do the next question? Right, right, right. There you go. Okay, I'm going to ask the next question. It's not about check. websites or bees, is it? Oh, it should be. Okay. Okay, so you've already spoken about how 
you started doing your non-profit work yeah people but could you tell us about how you got into doing non-profit work with animals yeah um again even that is something that stems from the you know the empathy and all of that so it's almost like it's not just i don't have i've never just had empathy towards people it's like towards anybody anything that is really living like any living creature creature so and um i found myself one year in you know vacationing in sicily and sicily is uh, a place where the concentration of strays ranks probably as the highest in Europe. So you have Romania, you have Sicily. People come here for the beauty, for the food, for the beaches, the archaeology and everything, but they don't really see what is going on. And, you know, I almost, it's almost like I see, you know, I, I almost, I go beyond like what, you know, yeah. just I think that's important, isn't it? You know, that yeah. the point the point you made, like sort of you could go to all of these countries and just see what the tourists see, but you just you need to, to dig a bit deeper to understand what's actually going on for yeah. For, yeah. For, for the humans that live there and the animals. Yeah, and I, f- I feel that, um, you know, in a way, the world is really ruled by people, you know, but we're also, we're also sharing this, this beautiful earth with billions of animals. And yeah, I think, 100%. well, they're not, they don't have a voice. It's, so, it's almost like giving voice to the voiceless. And so I decided, I said, well, I had already sold a bunch of my, most of my possessions. And so I said, well, how about, you know, I invest in, and do this and um and so my idea is to really so i opened an animal sanctuary and um, in sicily and it was a culmination of of working with many different places organizations and i thought well why not open my own and um and when was that when was that opened so we opened last year and um obviously uh covid hit this yeah. year in February. So, um, so it's been very challenging, but we've been moving forward. You know, nonetheless, we're, you know, we've been working with a consultant um, who, in, and, you know, we're in touch with foundations worldwide and we're, um, I've written articles. I wrote a book on this experience. And so I've been on a couple of podcasts. And so it's been um, challenging because the, you know, I noticed that when people used to uh, donate, you know, previously in the previous years, this year, it's been very much um different you know it's been interesting because we uh again we we do some charity work locally and i speak to loads of charities through trying to tell the stories on the podcast and the challenge you've got for a lot of charities at the minute is typically their fundraising may come from events and there's no events is there it's just been a different environment yeah and that's the other thing you cannot have events so you can you cannot host an event uh, of any sorts um and then um you know, we also have, so we, we are on 17 acres and we have a beautiful property that, you know, we did rent out a bit to tourists this year, but that was the whole point to, you know, with, you know, all the proceeds, the proceeds would, would go, go back to, into, the, to yeah. sterilizing the animals, the strays. But what animals have you got on the, on the, uh, on the site? 
So at the sanctuary right now, we have um, we have donkeys, we have uh, ostrich that just laid an egg yesterday, which was ridiculously huge. And uh, we have many birds and we have um, we're we're having uh, another donkey coming and there's a possibility to have more um, um, to uh, rescue uh, 11 horses from the slaughterhouse but the problem is they cannot transport the horses right now because okay. you know we're we're stuck in our own towns you cannot leave your town unless you know it's a so so these, are these um animals just from sicily or from italy more generally or where where do you rescue animals from so we rescue the animals locally um, and obviously they're all locally rescued. And then again, the proceeds from uh, the, air, you know, the farmhouse. So the Airbnb and the, you know, the renting and the um, we're, we're also planning on having a petting farm and having a horse therapy center. All the proceeds will go to the sterilizations of the local strays, but they're all local animals because there's an overpopulation of all sorts of animals. And so, but it's also to, to raise the awareness because again, it's a beautiful area. We're in an area with eight different UNESCO sites. It's incredibly beautiful. I've never been to Sicily. I've done a lot of Italy. Really? I've never been yeah. to Sicily. Yeah. Is that, is that, I mean, is, is that where you're from originally or is it? No, I'm originally from Milan. Right. So you said that. Born. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I love it. I've always loved the South more because I love warmer temperatures. And um, again, my background is in archaeology, so there's a lot of archaeology down here. Yeah. And people are warmer. People are really, you know, they're jolly and happy. And it's just just a different type of. To be honest, a warmer temperature sounds ideal right now. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just outside cold London. So so yeah, Sicily Sicily sounds sounds interesting. Um, Charlotte's written the next question, but I want to change it a little bit. Charlotte Charlotte had a question about because of your travel, we wanted to understand where you felt was the most beautiful. But I actually think there's a bit more of an interesting question um, uh, underlying that. And feel free to answer both or either. Okay. Uh, number one, where's the most beautiful place you visited? But where's the place you visited that allowed you to learn the most about yourself? Wow, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, the probably the most beautiful place, the most unusually beautiful place uh, that I've seen is, um, well, all of Africa. I love Africa. I'm re- I've always been drawn to Africa. And when I first visited, I was like, oh, wow, amazing. Um, Kenya is amazing. Um, Zimbabwe is amazing. Tons of beautiful places down there. My most, the most beautifully unique place I would say was Namibia, um, which is north, uh, northwest of South Africa. And it was just incredibly beautiful. I really, really loved it. You know, they have the tallest sand dunes in the world and okay. we climbed up and it was just incredibly beautiful. Um, and then the place, there have been many places that have taught a lot, have taught me a lot about myself. I would say, um, 
Los Angeles has taught me a lot about myself, what I want and what I don't want. Yeah. Um, it, sometimes being in a place isn't about what you want. It's about realizing that you don't belong there, right? Yes. And I kind of felt, I, I just lived there for a little under two years. And then I, I lived in Hollywood and then a little bit um, also in uh, near the coast. But I really, I, it did not resonate with me at all. And I felt like lying in a cage. To, I just wanted to get out. And so it really taught me a lot about myself, um, about what counts in life, what is important, human connection, because I never felt human connection in many places, uh, not just L.A., but many places in the U.S. and a lot of places in Europe as well. Why why do you think Um, that is? Too much, uh, I would say there's too much uh, stress on um, the superficial, too much stress on what I own, what I have. And, you know, without really understanding and realizing that it's not something that you're going to uh, bring with you, you know, one day. And it's not, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying that money isn't important. It is because, you know, if you want to, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, helps us to move forward and, you know, obviously, but it's not, it shouldn't be the priority. I mean, it's an interesting one because I, my day job is a financial advisor. I run a financial planning business and Mm -hmm. a lot of our, a lot of our conversations with our clients are money is a tool to allow you to do stuff. Um, uh, But it doesn't make you happy. Um, And um, what you should be doing is focusing on using the money as a tool to live the life that's most meaningful for you. If I'm honest, your story is is a really good example of that, isn't it? You know, you've you've sold up. You've said, this isn't making me happy anymore. I need to find what really what really is going to drive and motivate me. And you've done it. Yeah. And I, I really think that, you know, it's not just using the money for yourself. If you have the money or if you have a little bit of resources, it's, it's, it's about other people. It's about sharing and it's about, you know, helping those who cannot help themselves, giving voice to those who don't have any voice. And, you there's, know, a, there's a, there's a really good book. I don't know if you've read it, um, but I'd certainly recommend it. It's called happy money. Um, and it talks about the uses, and it's written by a social psychologist, but it talks about how you could potentially use your money to make you happier. And one of the things that she genuinely, based on research, recommends people do is just, same same as you've, you've done, consider giving it away to make yourself happier and the the experiment she did was a really interesting one so she stood out in the streets of i can't remember what city it was i think it might have been chicago she's based but stood out on the streets of chicago and um handed out starbucks cards and said like go and get yourself it's only like five dollars or whatever but go and get yourself coffee um or you can choose to give it like get a coffee and give it to somebody else. Yeah. And then tested how happy people felt after just doing, doing that. Yeah. And the people who decided to buy something for somebody else were happier than the ones who bought the coffee for themselves. It's an interesting experiment, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a completely different type of happy. It's a happy that is lasting. It's not just something, 
you know, you know, when you're buying, for instance, a phone, you know, buy a yeah. cell phone. It lasts a couple of years, and you buy a new one, and then you buy another one. And then buy, whereas when you do something this meaningful, not only you're doing it for them, you also create a relationship with them that lasts forever. Yeah. And um and that's what is really uh, the, the, the that different type of beautiful. Yeah, um, I love it. And uh, for instance, even at the the orphanage, you know, I met, made friends with one of the older kids, and he was twenty one at the time. No, twenty at the time. And I helped him to go to college. And so he just graduated, and he's um, he's getting his diploma next month. And um, you know, I paid for his college. He's, like, he's an electrical engineer right now, and he grew up at, in an orphanage. So. I have an amazing relationship with him and that makes me so happy. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, because he's happy. Changed his life. Yeah. He calls me on WhatsApp and he just said yesterday, can I call you mom? I said, for sure. You know, I'm so happy that you're happy. And, uh, but you know, I also wanted to add one thing. I lost my son, my own last son, my own son last year. And, um, so I decided to dedicate the sanctuary to him because I feel that, you know, I feel that power of transformation, like anything really negative can be transformed because I've seen it in many places from, you know, all over the world. And I decided to do the same thing. I'm like, I'm not going to be taken over by grief because grief, yes, you have to go through it, but it doesn't have to last forever, especially you have the power to transform it. And so I decided to dedicate it to him. And yes, he's not here in the physical anymore, but I feel him in the work that I do. And it's it's powerful. It's just so powerful. You know what's interesting, Laura? Uh, and again, we've spoken to a number of, number of people uh, on the podcast and um uh, certainly I've spoken to people who run charities where the good work they've done um, has come f- from a, a sort of <laughs> adversity in their life and a, and, a, and a situation where on the surface could make you upset or angry or annoyed and they've turned it into something really positive. So what do you think that takes? Because not everybody can do that. What do you think that takes? Um, well, I I don't know if you know the the five stages of grief um, by yeah. Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Okay, Kubler-Ross. so her colleague um, I can't remember his name, but he's a the authority on grief. He does. He asked her family if he could add the sixth point, which is finding meaning. So the first, the the first five points are about, you know, going through the shock, going through the anger, going through all these. And then there's the final one is acceptance. Okay. And that's the fifth point. He came up with the sixth point, which is meaning, finding meaning through adversity. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And that's where I'm at because I see that, you know, nothing lasts forever in the physical, but I think that if we look at it, like from a standpoint of loving action, compassion in action, we can all do something, you know, it doesn't have to be anything huge. It doesn't have, it doesn't take opening a sanctuary or working with an orphanage, but it takes, you know, opening your eyes, speaking up for what you think is right. And, um, and really be there, you know, it doesn't need to be big. Anybody can do it. And you have to start from where you are. You don't have to start big, something, but just do something because 
Yeah. Yeah, that's important. I feel that the world is at a point where we all need to do something and it doesn't need to be ginormous or, you know, nothing extravagant or, but depending on your own means, you know, if you, if you're able to do, you know, something that is meaningful, do it by yeah. all means and don't wait because there's no specific perfect moment. Just do it. Just make yeah, up your mind exactly. and do it. Just do one positive thing. If you do yeah. one tiny positive thing every day, and we all yeah. did that, yeah. essentially the world could be a different place, couldn't it? Yeah, and then it's a domino effect because, oh, yeah. you know, oh, I, uh, you know, she did that, that I can do this, you know, and then. Yeah, exactly. But friend. that, but that goes back to your point, doesn't it? That. That, that importance of telling stories um, right. and, and sharing the fact that there are people out there doing positive stuff. That's uh, part of the reason it's so important. I know I know my positive action for today is going to be asking Russ to turn the website yellow. Is that is that is that right, Russ? <laughs> He's still not answering, Laura. He's still not answering. So you've told me, told me a couple of stories about the, the work you've done. Certainly the one about the uh, gentleman who, who qualified for college and now he's, he's got a trade and a profession is amazing. Tell me yeah. one more story that best describes the work you do. Well, I think that, uh, let's see, um, I worked, when I worked with Mama John, Mama John was the person who um, founded the orphanage in Kenya. That was an incredible story because she started with absolutely no money. And she was living in Nairobi at the time. And I think it was um, maybe 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I, I have to go back and look at the date, but um so she was living in Nairobi at the time and she was living near the slums in Nairobi, which I believe are the biggest in Africa, something like 1.5 million people live there in appalling conditions. And so she had a small house and she decided to start adopting uh, one child from the slums and then another one and then another one. And then soon enough, she realized that she needed to do something bigger. And so um, because it was overwhelming for her too. Um, not only because she didn't have the money to do it, but because she had all this empathy like I do. And so she started asking, you know, tourists and foreigners and local authorities if they could sponsor her to create a home for these kids. And then, you know, soon enough, she had this building that, you know, she raised the money to build the structure that eventually would hold the, the what we call an orphanage and it's really a children's home and um and uh you know little by little she ended up adopting more than 130 of them and i met with her you know the only time i met with her i was two and a half years ago and she was an amazing person she said never ever ever um you know doubt what you uh, what you're sure. doing if it comes out of love if you're a loving person and you're determined to make it happen it'll happen yeah. and just have faith well she was very religious I'm not a religious person but it's I believe in us in spirit I believe in something I believe in being guided and it 
it worked. And, so, I, yeah, it, and little by little, you know. I, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's that, it's that you, you know what, I don't, I don't think it matters whether, because I'm not religious either, and I'm not, weirdly, I'm not particularly spiritual, but I believe that regardless of where those good intentions come from, right. making a positive change in the world is the important thing. Yes. Yeah, it is. And again, you don't have to start big. You start from where you are. Yeah. And we're all, we, we've all pressed the pause button right now. So we have more time to really think and be with ourselves and really say, hey, what is important? What is not important anymore? Where do I want to make a change? And um, obviously there's no opportunities or many opportunities to travel at this point in, in time, but we can still do a lot. We can, you know, create a fundraiser or we can, you know, go on Kiva, for instance, which is a lending platform. We can sponsor a child through plan USA or any, any of these, I mean, I've been working with them for a long time. So, but you know, there's so many opportunities you can, you know, you can volunteer at a local shelter. You can volunteer with elderly people. There's so many different things you can do, but it's mainly about creating relationships um, you know, to build a relationship with yourself and to build a relationship with another human being or another suffering creature that, you know, needs you, someone who needs you. I, I, it, it, yeah. I, t- I tell you what's interesting, Laura. I mean, I think you're right. Yeah, and we spoke a little bit before about um, organisations who do good struggling during 2020 because of of what's going on and that's certainly true but what i've also noticed is um covid also sort of highlighting the people's uh how kind people can be you know in in the uk we uh we uh, there was there was sort of hundreds of thousands of people who volunteered for to to be a volunteer to help the elderly, and we went out and clapped every Thursday for the key workers. And That's you know, it's it's interesting how not only you know certainly it's been disruptive for a lot of organisations, but yeah. also it's as you said it's been a bit of a time to reset and reflect this period, yeah. hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's um it's uh again, it's a reflection on who you are, on your values, on, uh, you know, on your life, you know, it's kind of like you can review your life and see, hey, what do I need to change from now on? What do I want to keep from from now on? And it's, um, it's interesting because I think it's almost like a much needed period. Um, I know it's destructive in a lot of ways, but it's also constructive yeah, yeah, um, in other ways. Um, and it, it, you, we kind of have to look at the silver lining there. And, yeah. and, and um, one, one thing I've, I wanted to talk to you about, what is the, talk to me a little bit about what the future looks like, both for your work and uh, your your sort of charity work, but also for the sanctuary. So the sanctuary is mainly is something that we set up mainly to spread the awareness of what is going on um, with the, you know the populate overpopulation of stray animals, how people treat animals, and um, how you know you know mainly it's about animal welfare, but it's also about um, creating, um, we want to create an educational center, uh, which is already, um, which 
which has already been approved by Global Giving, which is the largest uh, fundraising platform in the world um, to bring in uh, to create an interaction between children and animals because you know it's um, it's really important to educate children and really you know because it, it all stems from them so and then we want to create uh, recreate the values of the past so we want to create courses where people will be able to for instance work on the loom or how to make pasta, how to make cheese, how to make, you know, you know, working the field, you know, creating your organic cultivation, uh, your organic, um, for instance, piece of land. You know, we have all sorts of different things that we want to do, but it's mainly it's mainly based on educating. And um, and we'll ha- also have a petting farm, which we're building right now. And um, it's all about in uh, having children interact with the animals, but also um, having, you know, just spreading the awareness mainly, not just here locally, but, you know, we want to become a model for other places where they have the same issues. Um, and again, the proceeds from all of our initiatives will go towards the sterilization of the millions of, I mean, I'm saying millions. Um, of and and um, so it's, it's, um, it's, uh, um, it sounds like a, a very ambitious project, but we've, we've already done a lot of work despite COVID this year. So we're, but, but it's as, it's as you say, it's all incremental steps, isn't it? Moving towards that, that big goal. It sounds, sounds amazing. And, uh, I think when I make my trip to Sicily, I'm, I'm going to need to make sure that we come and see you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Tell, tell, tell us um, tell us a little bit about where our audience can find out a bit more about you. Okay, so we are okay. Our we have well, I have the uh, sanctuaries website, which is Rifugio Isola del Sole. It means Refuge Island of the Sun, um, because Sicily is called the Island of the Sun. Yeah. Um, but it's um, Rifugio R I F U G I O I S O L A D E L sole.com so rifugio isola del sole.com or my author website which is lauraformentini.com and can i just say what a handsome website it is i don't know if i've mentioned that already it's really it's really nice for us are you listening for us you know what? I think he's going to make himself a cup of tea, Laura, because he's just he I'm listening. <laughs> and I'm not impressed. He's here. He's here. Um, what are your thoughts about turning the website yellow, Russ? Are you, yeah, well, good idea? Saying, why don't I put a couple of bays on the logo and see if you notice? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, Laura, that's my positive change for the day. That's my small incremental step. There we go. I'm there. Great. Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, again, it's it's an area where there's a lot, a uh, lot of beauty, lots of UNESCO sites. Um, the beaches are phenomenal. Uh, we're at the southernmost portion of not just Sicily, but Italy. So we're very, very yes. south. And um, so, you know, you're the, you're the football at the end of the boot. When I was when I was at school, you learning geography. That's how I remember. Is that right? Sicily's like the 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 sort of football at the end, isn't it? 
Well, see, you have the boot, you have the heel, but we're not there. We're, it's almost like the heel, I mean, the boot is kicking two stones. And then yes. it, it's the first stone <laughs> that's Sicily. And uh, what's the other stone, what's the other island? The other island is Sardinia, Sardinia. Sardinia, right, okay. Yeah. So, but it's very, uh, it's, again, it's the southernmost portion. And, you know, it, you can take, it, it, you know, the coast of Africa is on the other side. So we're, that's where we are. And it's, um, you know, the weather's beautiful and the winters are super mild. And so, again, you know, we had one rainy day yesterday, but up until the day before yesterday, it was like super sunny. And, you know, we were out in, uh, you know, in our T-shirts and shorts. And Thanks, Laura. In. I really need that in cold yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to come and visit anytime. Thank you. Um, So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um, and hearing about your amazing work. Um, uh, I'm sure that when the world opens up again, um, we'll we'll make a little trip over there. And I'd certainly encourage all our listeners to take a look at Laura's work. Thank you so much, guys. And um, hopefully the weather will be nice for you again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Right, that was brilliant. Right, Thanks. Marge, you've got enough there, mate. Thank you. So that was um, part two of Laura's interview. Uh, it is that time of the show again where we whoa, move whoa, whoa, on whoa, 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 whoa. to... Go on, do it. <gasps> It is the end of another podcast. The end is never truly the end because the end is only the beginning. So have you got something to say? I was about to say what you were going to say. All right, okay. So the end is never the end because we've got plenty of answers, loads and loads of answers for our last question of the podcast, which was, um, what do you consider being the luckiest break in your life? And funny enough... There's a bit of a personal one to start off with from my old mate John Cook. He said, on my first day of June... He's not a cook, no. Cookies! Cookies not a cook. I've tried cookies cooking. You don't you don't want to eat it, mate, I'll tell you. Uh, on the, He's going to be listening to this. John, He's John be I, I love you, my friend. Your cooking ain't good. On my first day of junior school, John Cook, the bad cook, says, being told to buddy up with a boy who was wearing a black jumper, being severely visually impaired... He said paired, but I think he means impaired. Um, I don't know what visually paired is. And buddying up with the wrong kid, who also wore a black jumper, and confused, confusedly looked at me and said, hello, I'm Chris. Um, and that was me. <laughs> so I've known John now for 30 odd years. That's I'm... the story about you met? Yeah. I've never heard that before. Why have I never heard that before? I don't know. I don't know. On another note... I consider myself lucky by getting hit by a bus wing mirror. It may not sound lucky, given I spent, given I spent three weeks in the hospital, had to have my ear reconstructed, and still have a dodgy shoulder to this day. But if I had hit me, if it, if the bus had hit me a split, split second later, I could have gone under the wheels or been whipped into the side of the bus. As weird as it sounds, that's got to be a lucky break. Uh, another personal one we've had right in from our esteemed producer, Russell Dame, said the bit luggage break um, uh, in my life was coming to work with you guys. Um, it really has changed my life. It's hard to explain, but it makes me feel great. <laughs> is that a good turn of the tiger impression? Great! Great! <laughs> 
Tom's reply is great. Um, you've um, yeah. Uh, so Russell um, uh, is happy that he's coming to work with us. Steve Dan said, "Meet my wife. I'd be lost without her." Um, uh, Claire Wall said, "Meet my ex, but." husband which probably seems a bit odd but he made me a better person relationships can be good even if they end Al McCann said having a fully functioning NHS with some of the finest surgeons in their field when I was growing up wouldn't be ill otherwise and Mark Goerhalloran said meeting my wife for an answer do you want to go do a couple? Uh, Christy Mike said, still waiting. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Young said, so far getting my first job with you guys, even after being late for the interview. Since my very first day, it put me on a path I would never have imagined. Oh, see, yeah, there's a lot of love for me and mum at the minute, isn't there? Heidi Bull said. Honestly, I've been fairly lucky. Great job, amazing hubby. All right, kids, I suppose. All right, kids. <laughs> Do you think we're all right? I, I think you're more than all right. I'd be... I'd be lost without you. Thanks. Lucky like having the family I have and their never failing support around me. Without that, none of the rest would have been possible. Uh, Sam Chilton said, lucky break, deciding not to go to Bangkok and staying on Chang Island for another night. Demonstrations had started the night before and that day a protest was shot outside my hotel at the time I would have arrived if I had headed to Bangkok and then put into lockdown for three days. I then got my flight upgraded to first class as I was the only single traveller in business class uh, as the other passengers were stuck at the hotel. Day four's like said... Another one, meeting me wife. Meeting me wife. There's a lot of wife love here, isn't there? <laughs> Roberta White said, 49 years ago, having the wonderful NHS that saved my life. Dom Thomas said... Uh, white male born in England to a couple of parents that cared and was sufficiently resourced. Massive advantages in our culture, none of which were anything to do with my choices. Now, this is true. If you're born in uh, the UK to somebody who looks after you and loves you and cares for you and gives you the right education and the right resource, you've been born lucky, haven't you? Don't you reckon? Yeah. Compared to a lot of people in the world. Like me. Are you born lucky? I've got the right education. Tell me about your education. I know maths. <laughs> Go on then, surprise me with a bit of maths. <laughs> One plus two is three. Amazing. Alison <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Hagen. Oh, yes, the extent <laughs> to his form and what is frequent maths. <laughs> anyway. Alison <laughs> Hagen said, uh, lucky break, it's just the one. I've had quite a few. If you go with the everything happens for a reason theory, I'd say my first was when I was two and a half years old and I didn't sleep at night, so my mum put me into dance classes in the attempt to wear me out. That led to stage school, drama school and a career working in the theatre. Um, uh, Terry Upham said, meeting my wife, there's a definite theme here. Um, Mike Christie's come back said in reality my lucky break was when my lovely little girl came along I can't ask for anything more than that uh, Phil Fitzgibbon said convincing Amy Fitzgibbons to marry me closely followed by convincing her not to divorce me so far um, uh, Cassie wants to know what my uh, one is which I'm still holding on to <laughs> uh, and Majida Birch said having my motorbike accident and subsequent shoulder surgeries here in the UK 
If it had happened in the US, I'd have the choice of permanent disability or lifelong payments for my medical treatment. Our NHS rules. Let's hope it gets some TLC soon. Um, a lot of love for the NHS as well. Uh, and Steve Chilton said, taking a gamble on Tinder and ending up with a wife, Sam Chilton, lucky I swiped the right way. Just a change of a life. What if he accidentally swiped the wrong way well, and he met his wife? Well, there is... There is no... Uh, he did meet his wife on Tinder. If he would have swiped the other way, he never would have met his wife. So, uh, do, do, why, why are we having a little dance on that particular fact? I don't know. We're, we're thinking about dancing in the kitchen again, clearly. <laughs> That's weird. Um, and on that note, my friends, that is the end of another weirdly dancing kindly kindness project have a lovely week uh, the washing machine's going Sophie's dancing and I'll uh, speak to you soon bye